the relationship between Gedaliah and Jeremiah could also indicate why the former would be hated by members of the royal family. And one Davidic descendant, Ishmael ben Nathaniah, plots to kill Gedaliah. Tragically, Gedaliah was warned of the coming assassination, but refused to believe that a fellow Jew, much less a member of the Davidic dynasty, would do such a thing. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 158, Who Was Gedaliah? I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Several years ago, before Tisha B'Av, the Jewish Day of Mourning, the Times of Israel published a remarkable op-ed by an Ethiopian Jewish Israeli named Michal Avera Samuel, who informs us that over the centuries, at least some members of her family and community in Ethiopia had no idea that the Second Temple had been destroyed, and that therefore, upon arriving in Israel, they actually experienced Tisha B'Av for the first time. They finally received the news of Titus's destruction of the city 2,000 years before. Thus, at the moment of fulfilling their dream of coming to the land of Israel, rather than rejoice in the miracle of Jewish restoration, they wept for a Jerusalem that had been lost. Quote, Up until the age of nine, I lived in a world where the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple in Jerusalem, actually existed. Like my parents and teachers, I believed that the second temple stood in its place in Jerusalem and was literally made of pure gold. I grew up hearing about the Kohanim, holy priests, and how they worked in the temple. I fell asleep listening to stories about the halo hovering over Jerusalem and about Jews who merited to dwell in the holy city cloaked in white garments, people blessed with pure hearts, clean thoughts, and devoid of sin. Overhead, I would imagine the Shekhinah, the divine presence, as angels. End quote. Samuel further adds that, quote, we knew that the first temple had been destroyed. During the first 17 days of the month of Av, we would fast during the daytime. We chanted special lamentations in Amarak and practiced other customs of mourning prevalent among many Jewish communities. We even continued ritual sacrifices as a distant memory of the temple times. The most powerful educational concept that resonated within children and adults alike in Ethiopia, passed down from generation to generation, was awareness of the need for us to safeguard the purity of our hearts and deeds in order that we would one day be worthy of entering Jerusalem, heaven on earth. The ideal of Jerusalem was the force that provided us with the stamina to persevere during the arduous trek through the desert. It was the dream that kept us going. We wanted to reach it, achieve it. We buried our beloved family members, left possessions behind willingly, and lost them to vicious thieves. We struggled to keep going despite the terrible conditions and the hunger, only because of our goal to reach Jerusalem of gold, and after so many generations, stand at the gates of the Holy Temple. Then we arrived and discovered that the temple had been destroyed. End quote. It is, ladies and gentlemen, an amazing story. Michal Aver Samuel arrives at the modern state of Israel and learns all of a sudden that the temple is gone. What occurred millennia before is news to her. What she recounts is so striking because her story almost perfectly parallels a tale in Jeremiah, one which is bound up with what today is known as the Fast of Gedaliah, a day that reminds us why we mourn the destruction of Jerusalem, but also what we as Jews have to celebrate today. We discussed yesterday how Nebuchadnezzar's representative Nebuchadnezzar released Jeremiah from prison and placed him into the custody of a man named Gedaliah. Thus, in chapter 40, verse 5, we read, Now while he was not yet gone back, he said, Go back also to Gedaliah the son of Achikam the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon hath made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people. Note the lineage. Gedaliah's father is Achikam, and his grandfather is Shaphan. As Rabbi Yehuda Landry notes in his excellent book on Jeremiah, a great deal can be told merely from these few names. Achikam, Gedaliah's father, appears earlier in the book. 
saving Jeremiah from those who tried to kill him. And moreover, Shaphan also appears in a story central to Jeremiah's career. For when a Torah scroll is discovered by Chilkiah the high priest, it is read, according to the book of Kings, by Shaphan the scribe to King Josiah, which starts the righteous monarch on his road of creating a penitential movement. Jeremiah, we know, was himself a priest, and his father was Chilkiah, which may indicate, as many commentators point out, that the high priest in Josiah's time was the father of Jeremiah. Thus, we can perhaps place Gedaliah's grandfather with Jeremiah's father. All this could indicate, as Rabbi Landry points out, that there is a long history of a relationship between Jeremiah's family and Gedaliah's. This would explain, it seems, why the Babylonian leadership trusts both of them. We are then informed that Gedaliah issues a message of hope to the stricken Jews of Judah. Verse 7. Now when all the captains of the forces which were in the field, even they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah the son of Achikam governor in the land, and had committed unto him men and women and children, and of the poor of the land, of them that were not carried away captive to Babylon, then they came to Gedaliah to Mitzpah, even Ishmael the son of Nathaniah, and Yochanan and Yonatan the sons of Karech, and Sariah the son of Tanchumeth, and the sons of Ephi, the Netophathite, and Jezaniah the son of Amahathite, they and their men. And Gedaliah the son of Achikam, the son of Shaphan, swore unto them and to their men, saying, Fear not to serve the Chaldeans, dwell in the land, and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. As for me, behold, I will dwell at Mitzpah to serve the Chaldeans, which will come unto us. But ye gather ye wine and summer fruits and oil, and put them in your vessels, and dwell in your cities that ye have taken. Thus, the leadership of Gedaliah represents the last best hope for the remaining Jews in the Holy Land. But the relationship between Gedaliah and Jeremiah could also indicate why the former would be hated by members of the royal family. And one Davidic descendant, Ishmael ben Nathaniah, plots to kill Gedaliah. Tragically, Gedaliah was warned of the coming assassination, but refused to believe that a fellow Jew, much less a member of the Davidic dynasty, would do such a thing. Verse 15. Then Yochanan the son of Kareach spoke to Gedaliah in Mitzpah secretly, saying, Let me go, I pray thee, and I will slay Ishmael the son of Nathaniah, and no man shall know it. Wherefore should he slay thee, that all the Jews which are gathered unto thee should be scattered, and the remnant in Judah perish? But Gedaliah the son of Achikam said unto Jonathan the son of Kareach, Thou shalt not do this thing, for thou speakest falsely of Ishmael. Gedaliah, therefore, does not see the danger coming. As if this wasn't terrible enough, the murder takes place on the seventh month, which is Tishrei, and according to Rashi, it happens on the holiday of Rosh Hashanah itself. Chapter 41 Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, of the seed royal, and the princes of the king, even ten men with him, came unto Gedaliah the son of Achikam to Mitzpah, and there they did eat bread together in Mitzpah. Then arose Ishmael the son of Nathaniah and the ten men that were with him, and smote Gedaliah the son of Achikam the son of Shaphan with the sword, and slew him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also slew all the Jews that were with him, even with Gedaliah at Mitzpah, and the Chaldeans that were found there and the men of war. And it came to pass the second day after he had slain Gedaliah, and no men knew it. In other words, word of the assassination did not get out. Suddenly, a group arrives in a state of mourning, seeking Gedaliah to avail themselves of Gedaliah's leadership. Verse 5. Listen carefully. Then there came certain men from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, eighty men, having their beards shaven and their clothes rent, and having cut themselves, bearing offerings and incense in their hand, to bring with them to the house of the Lord. Who were these people, ladies and gentlemen? And given that the temple had been destroyed by Babylon, why did these people have offerings in their hands to bring to Jerusalem? 
The answer, according to Rashi, is heartbreaking. These were worshippers who had set out from their homes to the temple and arrived in Jerusalem with their offerings only to find the temple destroyed. That is why they are now seeking Gedalia in a state of mourning, still bearing the offerings that they had meant to bring. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, these individuals are at this moment very much like Michal Avera Samuel's family. They came to Jerusalem expecting the temple in all its splendor, and instead they found that the temple was gone. But there is, of course, a difference. At least Samuel's family found, in our age, an independent Jewish state, Jewish leadership in the Holy Land. But what awaited the stunned mourners for the temple in the book of Jeremiah was something terrible. They seek Gedalia, and Ishmael feigns to mourn with them, and then seeks to eliminate the Jews that are loyal to the man that he, Ishmael, has murdered. Verse 6, And Ishmael the son of Nathanael went forth from Mitzvah to meet them, weeping all along as he went. And it came to pass as he met them, he said unto them, Come to Gedalia the son of Achikam. And it was so when they came into the midst of the city, that Ishmael the son of Nathanael slew them, and cast them into the midst of the pit, he and the men that were with him. But ten men were found among them that said unto Ishmael, Slay us not, for we have treasures in the field, of wheat and of barley and of oil and of honey. So he refrained and slew them not among their brethren. Thus, brother kills brother, only stopping from doing so when a bribe is given. It is a horrible foreshadowing of the end of the second temple period when Jerusalem falls to the Romans outside of the city because of the way that Jews are attacking each other within. Gedalia, the last hope for the Jewish remnant, is murdered. It is all downhill from here. The Jews in the Holy Land seek to leave the territory that is under Babylonian control, and ignoring Jeremiah's warnings that their path leads them to disaster, they head to Egypt, where they are ultimately killed. To this day, Jews follow their celebration of Rosh Hashanah by mourning Gedalia's murder, and then, of course, mourning on the 9th of Av, when we imitate those pilgrims to Jerusalem and weep for the temple. Thus, the story in Jeremiah and its similarities to, and profound differences with, that of Michal Avera Samuel, teaches us, I think, several lessons. Rightly understood, the observance of mourning for the temple on the 9th of Av is meant to turn all of us into Michal Avera Samuel and her family, and as well as into those pilgrims that arrived with shock and horror to Jerusalem. We are meant to mourn for Jerusalem as if it is being lost right now. Like those Ethiopian Jews arriving in Israel, like the pilgrims in the Jeremiah story, we are meant to feel shock and dismay that the temple is destroyed. Tisha B'Av, as Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik put it, embodies the miracle of Jewish memory. In his words, quote, man heading into a panicky rush toward the future finds himself in the embrace of the past. Bygones turn into facts, pale memories into living experiences, and archaeological history into a vibrant reality, end quote. But at the same time, the fact that Samuel's family arrived to a Jewish state that welcomed them, that facilitated the fulfillment of their longing for the Holy Land, the fact that this state did not act in any way like Ishmael in the Gedalia story, that reminds us of the miracles and blessings of our own time. And the truth is that a genuinely Jewish worldview must blend mourning for the temple with a sense of the opportunities and blessings of the time in which we live. Michal Avera Samuel, reflecting upon the fact that the temple is destroyed, that an age of redemption is not here, that the country in which she lives is not perfect, recalling the shock and disappointment that she experienced, understood, ultimately, that her expectation for the temple and her dismay in discovering that it was gone was ultimately a blessing. Quote, Only upon maturing and having overcome the struggles of integration into Israeli society, 
did I begin to understand how fortunate I was to have grown up believing that the temple existed. I succeeded at forging my personality with the goal of being worthy of visiting the temple. The angels that I had imagined inhabiting Jerusalem in some way were my parents, who lived their lives striving to be pure enough to merit Jerusalem. Only after many years in Israel, having gained a familiarity with the country and its people, did this void become a strength, an asset. End quote. To have a sense of gratitude for what is, but also a yearning for what is lacking. This, I think, is what the legacy of the Jewish relationship with the Holy Land teaches us. We celebrate the miracles with which our generation has been blessed, of Jewish return to the land and to Jerusalem. We celebrate Israeli independence and the unification of Yerushalayim. But at the same time, on Jewish fast days, including the fast of Gedalia, we mourn still, bridging past and present, learning from history, keeping alive all that was, and longing for all that is yet to be. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.